Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All gas, no break. And now we have liftoff. Welcome to the New York Jets podcast. I'm your host, Frank Jan Piccolo. And with me today, I have Kevin, the Buffalo Jet fan. Kevin, what's going on, bro? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be here. Excited for the legal tampering tampering period to start tomorrow so we could stop talking about who might be on the Jets, figure out who is on the Jets, and then have our eyes set on the draft. Let's go. No doubt, no doubt. First off, uh, this is going to be – this show is our one-year anniversary on this podcast. So I want to give a special shout-out to all our listeners out there. Special thank you to the Gotham City crew. Um, for helping us get our get our feet on the ground. But with that being said, we're gonna today we're gonna talk about a little bit of combine news. The Jets had a couple of uh, signings before the legal tampering period began, and then we're gonna hit the free agency period, which is always a uh, fun topic to talk about. But before we get into that, Kevin, uh, why don't you tell our listeners how you became a Jets fan? and where they could find you and your podcast at. Absolutely. I was born and raised on Long Island, a family of Jets fans. Uh, my uncles would always take me to games, and they indoctrinated me into this life of what's been, for the most part, suffering so far. But I am optimistic about the future of the franchise. So I guess you could say I first started watching in the uh, Vinny Testaverde, Curtis Martin, uh, John Abraham kind of era in the early to mid-2000s. Um, and you can find me on YouTube and Twitter at the Buffalo Jet Fan. I've been only been doing this a couple weeks. Um, I don't have any aspirations to make uh, a living or make money doing this. I just uh, don't have any Jets fans who live near me. So just trying to uh, find a community of fans to uh, talk some Jets with. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, that, I guess my fandom starts kind of around the same time. A little bit earlier, I kind of – my first game that I went to was uh, the first game Dennis Bird walked back onto the field. So it three or four years prior, but I tell my uh, co-host John, who became a Jets fan during the Rex Ryan era, maybe a little bit before, before that, but you look at it, when, once Parcells got here, they kind of turned the tide with this team, and I kind of feel like Sal is that same type of coach, you know, defensive background, players coach to a sense, but 
but no nonsense. So, uh, you know, your one wasn't too good, but, you know, we'll get into it. So uh, let's get into the let's get into the combine a little bit. There was some news coming out of the combine that uh, Kayvon Thibodeau left early because he said that the day was too long. What are your thoughts on that and the possibility of the Jets drafting him at four or ten? I've been disappointed in the past week or so of some of the not so great news regarding Kayvon Thibodeau and maybe some of his character and work ethic and teammate. Uh, that side of his game because the talent side of his game, there's no question there. And for a while I was hoping and praying that he would fall to four um, with the New York jets. And now I'm not sure if we're going to go in that direction. I think that especially as a team that's rebuilding and trying to establish a culture, if he's even a, a risk, if any of that is even a question, then I think you have to go in another direction. You could go sauce Gardner, you could go offensive line um, and then maybe go edge rusher at 10. So if you can get a guy who's 85% of the talent in a Carl Aftis, in a Trevon Walker at 10, whose character checks out, then that's probably the direction you have to go because we don't want a Jamal Adams situation uh, on our hands. I think if we were a more established team that already had a winning culture and we could bring in a younger guy who was a little rough around the edges and, and fit him into our mold, maybe we could take that risk. But I think for the Jets, we're not in a position to take that risk with a number four overall pick. Yeah, I absolutely agree with most of your points there, except for the point that, you know, the talent's there. Uh, the talent is there. But when I was breaking down him, because I was all about him midseason, even towards the end of the season, and then I, I popped on a bunch of the film, and one game in particular really stood out to me was watching the, that UCL, UCLA game, and he got completely dominated by that left tackle. When I was breaking down his film, and I'll get into this more next week when we talk about uh, our first-round draft prospects, but – his his second secondary moves aren't that good, and if he can't get by you with his with his speed rush, it, his bull rush is non-existent. So top top that with his character issues and saying that the the combine is too long. I think I think these guys need to start looking at the combine like it's a job interview, and like I I get the quarterbacks not wanting to go through that that meat market, which is the NFL Combine, and show there at their pro days. But I think KT is going to have an issue if he doesn't show out at his pro day. Yeah, I agree. And you're right about him with relying on his his get-off. His release is really nice, but um, he's a little smaller than you, like about 10, 15 pounds smaller than you'd like in a in a 4-3 defensive end. So the, the raw power isn't there. And there's some inconsistency. Obviously, the highlights are, are, are nasty. But like you said, some of the tape um, could be inconsistent. I've been um, leaning more towards Sauce Gardner. It's kind of crazy because he was a guy that, you know, a couple months ago, I was like, maybe if we trade down to like Pittsburgh at 20, we could take him. And then like two weeks ago, I was like, maybe at 10. And then now I'm like, we might <laughs> want to take this dude um, at four. Kind of the opposite in terms of the character. Uh, he actually saw stayed late at the combine and was signing autographs for fans. Um, he said that like he's never uh, drank alcohol or smoked tobacco because like the game is enough for him to feel turned up and feel some type of way. And I just feel like uh, he's just oozing like authenticity and character and four might be a little high um, for a corner, but he's never allowed a touchdown in his career. He allowed under 200 yards receiving the entire season, six, three um, good ball skills. And then I think what'll 
then we don't have to go ahead and pay a Carlton Davis or a JC Jackson um, in free agency. If we go that route and Bryce Hall becomes your corner number two, Michael Carter in the slot and the, the cornerback room would really shuffle into place from there. So I'm leaning more towards sauce at four and away from KT. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. I, w- I wouldn't hate if they uh, picked Linderbaum at, uh, at four either, but uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, news. The Jets re-signed Connor McDermott, Will Parks, and LaMarcus Joyner this past week. Do you have any thoughts on the signings of uh, those three gentlemen? Um, I mean, with McDermott, I'd still want to draft a mid-round swing tackle because I feel like we need to do better if one of our starting tackles goes down. Uh, it was pretty tough to watch him against uh, Buffalo at the end of the season. So I think we could definitely upgrade there. And then with all the safeties, I think they're just trying to throw a bunch of as many guys into that safety room as possible and see if one of them sticks. I still like the idea of signing a free agent safety and then maybe having all those young guys battled out for um, the other safety position. And then LaMarcus Joyner is probably just for depth. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed when Joyner tore his uh, tendon in that arm. I had high hopes for him coming back from that cornerback slot that the Raiders had him in and playing back into his, I I would say his more natural position of, of safety back there. Um, the coaching staff seems to love him. I think if they don't draft a, or not draft, if they don't pick up a veteran free agent in free agency, I could see Joyner being penciled in as a, as a starter, because I, I just don't think Ashton Davis is it. And we talked no. about it. Yeah. We talked about it during the podcast. And he, I, from looking at him and, and knowing football, like I do, he just doesn't have, look like he has the heart to play safety in the NFL. Maybe he'll be a good special teams player, but he, he just comes up soft on these, on these tackles. And you look at the interceptions that he had, they were like pop-ups to left field. They, they, they weren't really like good. They weren't ball hit. hawk plays. No, no, no. They Not even a little bit. And when you, when you look at that and, when you look at that draft, that 2020 draft class is, isn't looking, looking too, too hot. You talk, you talked about it. Uh, Becton went, Becton went down and McDermott had to play some tackle when Fant got hurt and God McDermott is one of the worst offensive linemen that I've seen at the NFL level. His feet are slow. His, he has terrible hand placement. I get it. They need depth and, I don't know. Maybe he's at emergency tight end if the Jets can't pick up a tight end, but it's, it'd be rough if he had to play any extended period of time. Yeah, we can't go into the season with him being um, a priority backup. I mean, he's a barely a rosterable player. He's like a CFL level um, talent, honestly. And like you just said, he doesn't have any real traits that um, that stand out. Uh, Joiner. I mean, he's probably still better than any any safety we had on the roster last year after Marcus May went down. And Ashton Davis, yeah, I don't think he's going to make uh, the team. Maybe just because guys don't like to cut their own um, draft picks, but he just seems like yeah, he's a good athlete. You know, he's a track runner, but that just doesn't didn't transition to the football field. Um, maybe if they want to try moving him to like slot corner because he does have some pretty elite speed, but just doesn't seem to want to hit people and um, just doesn't seem to have like a good feel or or football IQ for the game. No, definitely not. But 
Will Parks is intriguing. I think he could become a player, maybe a third safety eventually. Uh, towards the end of the season, PFF had him as the fifth uh, best rated safety during that time span where he was playing, you know, and a lot has to do with uh, it looked like the defense was getting a lot more pressure that was coming. So that made it a little bit easier for the defensive backs, uh, a la Michael Carter, the uh, second Bryce Hall, uh, Jason, Jason Pinnock was starting to come around. What are your thoughts on uh, Will Park possibly seeing some playing time this year? Yeah, I mean, I think he could be, I think ideally you like him as like our third safety who could come in for either safety spot. I think that's as high on the roster as I'd want to see him. Um, Jason Pinnock's a name to watch, though, because he struggled at corner early in the year. Then they moved him to safety, and he actually, again, it was a small sample size, just like Parks, but for a stretch of four or five games, he had a pro football focus score in the 70s and was an upgrade over, you know, Elijah Riley, or who we also brought back, and Ashton Davis. So, um, Will Par- and also Will Parks, there was a, a tweet that, like, Tyron Matthew was super pumped that Will Parks was back with the Jets, and he said something like, if I was with the Jets, I would wear this number, so... Maybe that's something to keep an eye on because he's a free agent. Yeah, that would, that would be something. So let, let's talk about our – Yeah, we have a couple of our free agents. Are any of these guys that are going to test out free agency would be a priority for you if you were Joe Douglas? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the common name from Jets fans is Braxton Berrios, but I think that it would be worth it to pay him more than you would normally pay a wide receiver number four. Number one, he's an all pro on special teams. So if you look at guys who um, don't play on offense or defense and are just kick returners like Andre Roberts, who we had and then let go after his all pro season, those guys make two, two and a half million a year. So you can tack that value on top of whatever value you have for him as a wide receiver. So say if you value him as five million as a wide receiver for, well, then you can pay him seven, seven and a half million because he's also an all pro on special teams. And I think we want to make sure that we are four deep at wide receiver even if we don't bring in a legit number one wide receiver and we maybe uh go wide receiver at 10 and then re-sign Berrios and none of those guys are a proven number one but we have four really solid football players I'm okay with that and he's gonna get on the field uh Corey Davis and Elijah Moore missed a combined 14 games last season and even if everyone stays healthy be creative go with some uh, you know some Chan Gailey four wide receiver uh sets if you need to um so I'm a about bringing back Braxton Berrios. I like his versatility on the uh, the jet sweeps and the end arounds, and I think it'd be worth it to, to pay him up to maybe even $7 million a year. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. Uh, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago that I kind of would front load that deal, maybe make it incentive-driven later on in the contract to make it more cost-effective for the Jets, um, especially because they're doing really well salary cap this year, and I can't re- – I don't see a lot of players on the free agent market that I would break the bank for necessarily, necessarily, unless there's a, a trade that Joe Douglas is going to pull off a la DK Metcalf. But I don't know how realistic a trade like that would be being how many holes that the Jets, the Jets have. But I do like Braxton Berrios for the fact that you kind of want to build a wide receiving core like you would a basketball team, right? So I think Corey Davis would be would be your center, and then Braxton Berrios would would kind of be your point guard, and then you talk about Elijah Moore fitting in somewhere as like a shooting guard. And they still need a couple couple more players. And with that being said, uh, one of my favorite free agent targets for the Jets this year, uh, 
is DJ Shark, the receiver out of Jacksonville. I think he fills an immediate hole that Denzel Mims couldn't fill for the Jets with that he's a reliable receiver. He did what he didn't do he didn't do anything this year, but I think a lot had to do with that debacle with Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville and playing with a rookie quarterback. I really wasn't impressed with the play of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, in my opinion, he was the worst quarterback that got a lot of playing time out of this draft class. Yeah, it was really, and uh, didn't catch half of the flack from the media that Zach Wilson did, which is interesting. Um, Chark is a good name to watch. He's, you know, six, four, he's got good speed. He's kind of like you said, what we were hoping that Denzel Mims would be. I think we need to go into this season, assuming nothing with Denzel Mims, assuming he's going to be no higher than fifth on the depth chart. Um, because I was excited about that draft pick, but he looked lost on the field last year. There was a, there was a game where he had no catches and three penalties, which I don't know how you do that. Um, but Chark, you know, he had a thousand yard season a couple years ago. And obviously last year with Jacksonville, everything was a mess. Obviously he only played four games. He got hurt. So the injury is something to check out. I probably would like to do it on a one-year deal. Um, but I, I'm down with that. What about you? What, who is your number one free agent get that the Jets must have so we could start being a competitive football team going forward? My number one guy would probably be safety Marcus Williams of the Saints. I think that he just checks a lot of boxes, being that he's young, he's 25, he fills a position of need, he's durable, he doesn't miss games, his analytics are always elite, and um, he's really uh, versatile. He can he tackles well, he can play center field, he can cover tight ends, and I think we could just plug him in at one safety spot and then have um, like a cheaper, younger guy at the other safety position. I think safety and tight end were the two worst rooms on the roster last year. And um, yeah, it costs a lot of money, but still a top end safety. Maybe have to pay him 14, 15 million a year, um, you know, on a three or four year deal. But again, it's going to be for his prime. And I think that that'd be a really solid move for the Jets. That's smart, right? When you talk about Certainly, and I and I and I love Marcus Williams. I've been I was pounding on that last year before he got franchised by the Saints. That Marcus Williams just checks all the boxes that you want from your free safety, right? That was a huge problem for the Jets is that they could not create turnovers last year, which in turn helps Zach Wilson because because it makes a short field, and Zach Wilson on a short field is probably a lot better than Zach Wilson, the rookie quarterback trying to drive 80 yards downfield with the weapons that we were bringing out last year at times with everybody in and out of the lineup. So with that being said, when we're, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. My number one get that the Jets must throw the, the bank at is the all-pro linebacker from Green Bay, Devon, Devondre Campbell. I, th- I think that I think it was a huge mistake by Joe Douglas by not solidifying that linebacker spot going into the four three. Uh, yeah, they, they picked up Jared Davis day one of free agency last year, but, but for some reason he just, he just couldn't get it. If you put Devondre Campbell into this linebacking core with CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams, I think it changes the whole complexity of this defense. You know, you talk about those three, you talk about Lawson coming back. You talk about, Quinnen and Sheldon Rankins, you know, the Jets are probably going to lose Foley Fadakasi into free agency. There's rumblings that he's going to get a mega deal, but 
I think this player in particular could unlock what Sala wants to do on defense. When you talk about the linebackers that Sala had in Jacksonville, the linebackers that Sala had in Seattle, and the linebackers that Sala had in San Francisco, that is the key to the Sala Ulbrich defense, in my opinion. Yeah, Devondre Campbell had an excellent year last year. He was like it was like pro football focus score in the mid eighties, like super elite. Um He's huge, 6'4", long arms, he's fast, So, I, and our linebackers struggled to cover last year, so maybe his length and athleticism would be an improvement there. Um, linebacker, yeah, linebacker and safety. We were just really weak up the middle, and the screen game uh, killed us. The tackling killed us. Our young corners actually held up. Like It's not like our guys were just getting beat deep over the top with long passes. We just couldn't tackle anybody. Um, and the only thing to worry about with Devon J. Campbell is a little bit of a one-hit wonder um, before last year. Uh, last year was his really big breakout year, but maybe he's a late bloomer, kind of like Demario Davis was for us. So uh, I'd be okay with that. Plug him next to CJ Mosley. And I think CJ will have a bounce back year. I think he was just trying to do everybody's job because he's like the linebacker to my left and to my right can't tackle the safeties behind me. Don't know what they're doing. So it seemed like CJ was kind of playing a little bit of hero ball and got caught out of position a few times. Um, so I think that's definitely a position we need to upgrade. Uh, Alua Khan is another name to watch uh, from Atlanta, but I like Campbell better than him. Um, even though Campbell's a little bit older, uh, do you? Where are you at in terms of how we allocate our resources? Are you more leaning towards offense heavy in free agency or defense? No, I kind of have the philosophy that I'm more willing to buy a defense and build, or yeah, buy a defense and build an offense through the draft. I I think it's a little bit easier to do it that way, and. Not only that, you talk about the young pieces that the Jets have. You know, you have you have Zach Wilson, Michael Carter. You have Elijah Moore. <clears throat> Braxton Berrios is super young if they can re-sign him. And if you bring along another offensive piece, say like a, a Garrett Wilson, uh, a Chris Olave, you're talking about an offense that has at least the next three years to grow together if, if they don't trade one of these – draft picks to bring in a veteran yeah i've gone back and forth with this i love garrett wilson i really love garrett wilson um i think atlanta might take him at eight i'd honestly consider seeing if atlanta wants to swap picks at eight because that's how much i like him i don't know uh if you agree with me on that he kind of i love me. i love garrett i love garrett wilson i my comp for him is antonio brown there you go he actually he reminds me of um a guy who played uh, a while ago, and that was Steve Smith from the Carolina Panthers, who was a guy who just really played above his size. I mean, Garrett Wilson's mossing people, and he's like 5'11", um, kind of like a running back with the ball in his hands after the catch. Toughness, um, can do it all. I just, I feel like to me, out of all the receivers, I don't know if he's going to be the best, but to me, it feels like there's just no way he's a bust. I feel like um, his floor is really, really high. And in terms of the offseason, I've been leaning towards actually the opposite of what you said. I've been leaning towards uh, building in offense around Zach Wilson with proven pros and then drafting in the defense and dealing with some more um, growing pains on defense and coaching up the young guys, just because I don't want to go into the offseason next year and have that same situation where we're like, we don't know if um, Zach Wilson can play because we didn't fill our hole at right guard. And then we weren't deep enough at receiver. And then the guy we took was a bust. And I want to put all the excuses to rest. We have the, uh, the resources to do it. And, you know, if we improve, win whatever seven, eight games, and then the next off season, we have to balance it out and go more on defense. Then I can live with that. It's better than the inverse. I mean, even if you think if we spend like almost all of our 
free agent dollars on offense and then go, you know, edge at four and, and corner at 10 and take um, a safety and a linebacker with our second round picks. I mean, just right there, those are like, and then Carl Lawson comes back. I mean, right there, that's five new starters who are an upgrade and the younger guys are going to be better too. Michael Carter is going to be better. Bryce Hall will be better. Ashton Davis can't be much worse. So I think that, you know, really with spending minimal dollars, you can really change um, the defense a lot. Well, then how would you attack it? Which guys would you go at and say, you know what, this guy is going to help, Zach Wilson is it a, is it a Hayden Hurst is it an Allen Robinson is it maybe maybe it's improving the offensive line maybe the Jets try to get Brandon Sheriff what would you do so I mean obviously you know it takes two to tango so you don't know who wants to sign with the Jets which is why I thought they should have re- uh, done the Amari Cooper trade even though 20 million dollars is a little rich I still think that um it might have been worth it because it's you can cut him after the one year and it's there's no dead money and I mean, Allen Robinson's going to get $18 million a year probably with more guaranteed money. Someone's going to give Christian Kirk $15 million. The Giants gave Kenny Galladay $20 million. Mike Williams just got $20 million. Julio Jones is getting $22 million and he's washed. Um, Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas are getting $19 million. They're coming off devastating injuries. So that's kind of what it cost. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the Jets leading receivers the past like six seasons, I mean, you're talking about Jamison Crowder, 700 yards a year. You're talking Elijah Moore, 500 yards last year. You're talking 2018, Chris Herndon, 502 yards, our leading receiver, a borderline rosterable tight end. So if we have to pay a little Jets tax to bring in a number one receiver, I think we should have done it. But that's all done now. So I think next uh, we would move our targets to Allen Robinson. Um, If we want to bring him in, he's always put up really good numbers with really bad quarterback play as opposed to last year. He had a down year, but he's still 28 years old. So I, I throw an offer to him. I think the DK Metcalf trade is a little bit unrealistic. I don't think Joe Douglas would do that. And then, yeah, so I think number one wide receiver, and then I'm looking at tight ends. Um, Zach Ertz, he's a little older, so maybe on a one-year deal, and then draft a tight end in the second round. And then the right guard spot should be pretty easy to fill because there's like four or five guys um, that you could bring in, Tomlinson, James Daniels, Austin Corbett. There's like four or five players in their mid to late 20s that you could get for eight um, to $11 million a year to plug that hole. And then bring back Berrios. So I think just those four moves, uh, wide receiver one, bring back Berrios, right guard, um, sign a tight end and draft a tight end, I think. And then you'd probably want another running back to be a counterpunch to Michael Carter, maybe a bigger back, um, like a James Conner from Arizona or draft a running back um, in the mid rounds. And I think that would be sufficient enough to evaluate whether or not Zach Wilson is a franchise guy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, before we get into possible trades that the, the Jets will get into, we got we got to pay our bills here at the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5.00 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they do, it's that simple. You win. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops actions with DraftKings pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of $250,000 in prizes. 
simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That's TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. If you or someone you know have a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referrals services can be assessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, New Hampshire. That's 888-789-7777-VISIT. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-70-STOP-7867 in L.A. And 877-8-HOPE-NY-TEXT. 21 years or older. Physically present in the state's minimum $5 five dollar deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right. Let's get into possible jet trades. I kind of disagree with you a little bit on the Amari Cooper. I just didn't think the player was worth it. Like, I have I have Amari Cooper on my uh, dynasty fantasy uh, team, and he's he'll just go missing for games. If I'm paying that amount of money, it's it has to be an impact player because the Jets have too many holes to to wrap up that amount of money, even if it's for just one year. So if I'm the Jets, I'm going to call a team that's in salary cap hell, that doesn't have a quarterback right now, depending on what the Jets or what possibly happens with Deshaun Watson. And I'm calling the New Orleans Saints. And I'm going to see what it would cost to get Michael Thomas. I think – He's a, he's a number one receiver. I think you possibly could get him for a third round. Maybe a, maybe a con, make it a conditional second because he's coming off of some injuries. I was all about Calvin Ridley before all the gambling stuff happened. I was like, second round pick. Let's go. He's, he's an all-pro talent. You know, the Jets have, I feel, a little better coaching staff than Arthur Smith his staff down at Atlanta. But what are your feelings about that? I mean, Michael Thomas at his best is definitely a significantly better player than Amari Cooper. I don't think anyone would argue that. I mean, he had that like 140 catch season or something not that long ago. Um, the injury scares me, but if the Jets did it and they were, and Joe Douglas was aggressive in bringing in a veteran wide receiver, number one for Zach Wilson, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to kill him if he doesn't get like my favorite guy. So, uh, I'd be okay with that because it shows me that they're valuing, um, you know, what we just talked about in making sure that they can a- adequately assess Zach Wilson. And we don't have the same issue with Sam Darnold, where when he got traded to Carolina, a buddy of mine, Carolina Panthers fan texts me. He's like, Hey, is he any good? And I was like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I watched every snap 
preseason, regular season, garbage time, every snap. And I didn't know if Sam Darnold could play because of the lack of weapons and offensive line, and offensive coordinator. So I think if um, we want to go ahead and bring in that number one wide receiver, if it's not my, my favorite guy, if there's some injury risk, I'm still okay with it. Yeah, I, th- I think it makes perfect sense. Like, I think Joe Douglas is at the point now where he's got to be aggressive, right? He, I think he rebuilt the culture to a point where Salah can run with it. You know, uh, I think now is where they got they got to learn how to win. I th- I think like like I go back and forth. Like, the, there's two two ways to go about it. Either you learn how not to lose, or you learn how to win. And there are too many times last year where the Jets kind of shot themselves in the foot. You know, you would have a Nathan. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast during the season, but if you listen to the podcast during the season, the Nathan Shepard penalties drove me absolutely bonkers. I, I didn't know how he was still getting as much playing time as he was getting with the mistakes that he would constantly make. But going back to Joe Douglas, I think now's time. Now is the time to be aggressive because he's been here long enough. He got rid of all the players that McCagnin, you know, coveted, you know, Jamal Adams, Sam Darnold, Quincy Anunwa, all those bad contracts. They're the Ty Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. All we have is CJ Mosley left. So all those bad, bad contracts are gone. There's no dead money left on the books. I think it's time to really be aggressive. You know, I'm not saying it has to be in free agency or it has to be a trade, but I, I want to see something aggressive, kind of like what they did for Vera Tucker in last year's draft. Is there a player that you think the Jets should target via trade that would significantly help the Jets right now? Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think I liked the Corey Davis and Carl Lawson signings. I think we just got kind of unlucky with some injuries there. I mean, I know Corey Davis had some drops, but you know, his set cap hit is under 13 million. I think that's fine for a really good wide receiver number two. And Carl Lawson was dominating training camp before he had a, uh, an Achilles pop. So I'm not going to kill Joe Douglas for that. For me, it's actually, I'm really liking looking at trading down. If Pittsburgh wants to come up to get, say they're like Malik Willis at 10, then I would be interested in getting wide receiver Chase Claypool from them. And then obviously I'd probably want, you know, like a pick in 2023 as well. But I like that move because, and I don't think Chase Claypool is necessarily a number one. I think he's similar to Corey Davis, but then you'd have two really good number twos, Elijah Moore in the slot. And then if you bring back Barrios for depth, those are your four deep at receiver. Um, And Claypool is bigger. Our wide receiver room really lacked size last year. So he's a good 50, 50 guy a good red zone threat has over 800 yards in both of his last two seasons. That would have been good to lead the jets both of the last two years, Um, 11 touchdowns over the last two seasons, and you'd get him on his rookie contract. So instead of paying an Amari Cooper or a Michael Thomas or an Allen Robinson upwards close to 20 million, you get him on a second round contract. He's still 24 years old, younger than Denzel Mims. And then now you slide back to 20 and then maybe you're looking at, um, I don't know, like a linebacker like Devin Lloyd or Linderbaum or one of the second tier corners like a McDuffie. So I think that would give you a lot of flexibility because you could solve um, two problems with one move because you still have that 20th pick. And then now you bring in a cheap starting wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. You know, especially if the Jets, you talk about the four pick, you know, you'll probably Kyle Hamilton will be there. Maybe like you said, Sauce Gardner. I really like Sauce Gardner. I just I just like the way he plays. I think he's gonna probably be the best cornerback out of this out of this draft class. Uh 
Yeah, I, I think like four through ten, I think it's going to have to be defense first and then maybe offense uh, a receiver if they don't go they don't go that route. Are there are there any other moves that the, you feel that the Jets have to do or that they should do? I don't think there's anything that they they have to do. I can't like judge when each individual move. You have to see how um, it all comes together. Another name that's been thrown out there has been um, Danielle Hunter of the Vikings. I'd probably pass on that. I mean, he's a monster when he's on the field, but just the injury bug, I'm probably going to pass on that. Um, Saquon Barkley, I'm passing on that. I don't want to give up capital and pay him $7 million when he hasn't been good in two years, and I could just get a running back um, in the mid-rounds. I just think that the Jets have to plug those uh, four big spots on offense being right guard, wide receiver, one, um, and tight end, and then another running back. So as long as they do that, no matter how they do it, I'm cool with it. Calvin Ridley, I was I was on it too. Um, he to me was the best wide receiver available um before this all happened. I mean, you look at his 2020 year, it was like 1300 yards, legitimate wide receiver number one. I thought that could have been our Stefan Diggs trade. So I'm really bummed about that. Um, but I also don't wouldn't mind if we swung a trade to bring in a linebacker um, because that's a spot that's really weak for us. So I know that um, the 49ers were looking to maybe move their linebacker. I honestly would consider the Saints are in salary cap hell as long as you mentioned. If they want to take a late round pick and give us tomorrow, Demario Davis back, he's still balling at the age of 33. So I'm okay. I'm okay with whatever we do as long as we plug those four holes on offense and then maybe use um, the rest of our capital on defense. Yeah, speaking of that, I've been talking about trying to make it like a maybe a trade for Devin Bush. I really like Devin Bush. Um, he hasn't performed as well as most Steeler fans would have liked, but I really think in the right situation that he could he could ball out. And uh, like you said, Daniil Hunter, I love Daniil Hunter, but the injury the injury history scares me. And Saquon, I'm, that's a hard pass. I think Michael Carter at this point is a better running back. He does the same things. He hits. I think he hits the hole harder. Uh, I think Saquon just doesn't trust his knee, and and sometimes that's all it takes. And and then it'll really only be for a one year deal because he's gonna, unless the Jets are gonna sign him back for cheap. But why would you do that when you got Michael Carter, who I feel is more explosive at this point in his career than Saquon Barkley is? Yeah, and it's a bummer. I mean, Saquon was like one of the best running back prospects of all time. I love them coming out of Penn State. He balled out as a rookie, but um, sometimes as a running back, it's that one injury, and then you're kind of done, and I think he might be kind of done, unfortunately. Absolutely. So what we do normally in the offseason here, uh, either me or John or our guests that we bring on, we have a, you know, we try to finish the segment with something fun. So in your opinion, what was the best Jets free agent pickup of all time? Um, honestly, I think probably Alan Fanica. Um, I know a guard isn't super sexy, but I think if I had to pick like two, it would be we both we did it both in the same year. We brought in Alan Alan Fanica and Bart Scott, and it was two guys who you don't play a sexy position, but just were nasty and changed the attitude of our team. And that was the two years where he went on those deep playoff runs and um when you were watching the jets man it was like you were watching a different sport like they were just mauling people we didn't have a lot of skill positions sanchez obviously was limited at quarterback but we were running like 
six offensive line sets. We had a good fullback, two good linebackers, and it just felt like old school football. So I think those two moves when we brought in uh, Fanica and Bart Scott were my favorite. Yeah, I could get I could get along with that, uh, especially someone with that type of thinking, because uh, I'm going to bring it back to when you became a fan. Uh, my favorite free agent pickup is when the Jets got Kevin Mawai from the Seattle Seahawks, and it kind of changed that dynamic of that team. You know, they brought in Kevin Mawai, then then they trade for Curtis Martin, and you changed that philosophy from we're going to throw the ball downfield to Keyshawn and Wayne Corbett to we're going to ground you to to death in between the tackles with Curtis Martin. Yeah, that, that, that's a good call. I'm Kevin Mawai. And then obviously switching right to Nick Mangold, we've been blessed at the center position. So maybe the Tyler Linderbaum people on that hype train will get their wish. And uh, I, I think center is kind of an underrated position. Honestly, I, I think you need to be good at center. So I like that. Yeah, the, you know, this year the Jets, you know, kind of struggled the last couple of years with Connor. You know, Connor McGovern is, you know, he's caught a lot of flack. You know, PFF had him graded high. I know PFF had him graded high, uh, higher than I would have liked to see him graded. But I think a lot of that has to do with that GVR was just so bad at that right guard spot when when they brought Duvernay over from KC in that trade, it really solidified what the Jets were trying to do. Yeah, would you like to? Would do you want to bring LDT back? I, I think without a doubt, I without a without question because it's going to bring depth no matter what. And and I don't see the Jets bringing back Moses, and I don't know what's going to happen with like that. That Becton situation could get really ugly really quick. The, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and the um, Becton. I don't know. I mean, I it's tough because he has the talent to be such a franchise left tackle. I mean, if you think about if Becton, the prospect, was coming out this year, he probably wouldn't even be on the board when the Jets are picking at four. Like he'd be in play for the number one pick. So that's the kind of talent he has. Um, but being three hundred fifty pounds and having that lower leg injury and then not playing for that long. I'm imagining he's heavier now than he was when he hurt that leg. So, I mean, I think it's a situation like all or nothing. I think he either bounces right back and is like a pro bowler or he just kind of fades out of the league. No, without a doubt. But I think the bigger problem is going to be being that fan played so well that you're going to have to give him the opportunity to start at left tackle and I'm not too sure if Becton is going to be too keen on starting at that right tackle spot. Yeah, me going into the year, I'm assuming that Fant is my left tackle because he uh, was, to me, just to my eye, he has been the best left tackle since DeBrickashaw Ferguson on the Jets last season. I mean, he's the only left tackle that was that athletic, athletically smooth, great hands, not a mauler, um, but really did a good job projecting protecting Zach Wilson's blind side. So I think he's earned the right to be um, it's his job to lose. And I think Makai Becton, he is a little bit bigger. He's a better run blocker. So you could argue that he's a better fit at right tackle. Now, do you want your 11th overall pick playing right tackle instead of left, ta left tackle? Maybe not, but if you have two really good tackles, that's um that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. And I hope he's okay with that. And, and you talk about this Michael LaFleur offense, you need that athletic, or that athleticism on that left side where you're trying to hit that that wide zone the majority of the time. But, Kevin, I, I appreciate you coming on, my man. Uh, I've been trying to get you on for a little while now.
So I just want to say thank you for helping me break down this free agency and the next that starts tomorrow. It's going to be hot and heavy. So I'm sure I'll be, I'll be DMing you um, when things start breaking down and maybe get your opinions on uh, what we talked about next week. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm happy to talk soon. Take care. All right, everybody. Peace. Thank you.